There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends. But who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and you're listening to Health Essentials Podcast by Cleveland Clinic. Today, we're broadcasting from Cleveland Clinic main campus here in Cleveland, Ohio, and we're here with Dr. Shazam Hussein. Dr. Hussein is the director of the Cerebrovascular Center for Cleveland Clinic's Neurological Institute, and we are here today to talk about stroke. Thank you so much for being here today. Hey, thanks for having me. And please remember, this is for informational purposes only, and it's not intended to replace your own physician's advice. Thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. Sure thing. So before we jump into topic, I'm going to yep. ask you some more personal questions to get sure. to know you better. All right. All right. So what is the best place in Cleveland or Ohio for beautiful scenery? Beautiful scenery, mm -hmm. uh, outdoor scenery. For Cleveland, I really like the lakefront, especially in the Lakewood area. They have the Lakewood? yeah Lakewood area where they have the they developed a right right along the edge of the lake there. It's really beautiful. Yeah, and you fantastic. can see downtown so right from mm -hmm. there. Yeah, absolutely. So, how about your best travel destination? Best travel destination, I really enjoy going to Miami. It's Miami? Enjoying the beaches really? and having a good time. Kind of a party there, so. city, right? Yeah, not so much the party <laughs> side, but yeah. <laughs> okay, so if you weren't a physician, what would you be today? If you're not a physician, I, you know, I had done a lot. I was thinking at one time in my life I would have loved to have been in astronomy and, really? and looking up at the stars. It's really yes. fantastic stuff. So. Great. <laughs> That's amazing. All right. So I pulled up some facts uh, about stroke that I kind of wanted to start um, this conversation with. Great. So first of all, stroke kills about 140,000 Americans each year. Mm -hmm. That's one out of every 20 deaths. And it's the number five cause of death and number one cause of disability in the U.S. Mm -hmm. And someone in the United States has a stroke every 40 seconds. That's every four minutes someone dies of a stroke. And about 185,000 strokes Nearly one of four are in people who had had previous strokes. So today we're going to talk quite a bit about prevention mm -hmm. um, for those who have already maybe survived a stroke and how to prevent it from happening again. Yeah. So let's start with what is a stroke. Sure. So uh, a stroke, uh, and I'm glad you brought up those numbers because it's really important. I think it's underappreciated how devastating a condition stroke really is. And sure. I don't think people really appreciate how impactful it is to all of us in society with the numbers that you that you mentioned. Uh, it's also important to note that even though you, even a person who's had a stroke before, uh, American Heart Association, through their data, has shown that only one in three people actually know one symptom of the signs of a stroke, and that includes mm -hmm. people who've had a stroke before. So thank you for the opportunity to do this podcast. It's really sure. important that we get this information out there. Uh, in terms of a stroke, a, a stroke is a sudden uh, neurological event, um, and it's due to a vascular cause. And we basically break that up into two big categories, the ischemic type of stroke, which is one where there's a blood clot that blocks a blood vessel and mm -hmm. prevents blood flow from getting to the brain, and then the hemorrhagic type of stroke, which is the bursting of a blood vessel bleeding into the brain. Mm -hmm. uh, overall, the ischemic type strokes are more common. It's about 80% of the strokes that occur are the ischemic type, mm -hmm. with the remaining 20% uh, are the uh, hemorrhagic type. Okay, great. And is there such thing as a mini-stroke? 
Yeah, the, the term mini-stroke really refers to what we call transient ischemic attacks, Okay. Uh, which essentially is, is uh, th that falls under the category of the ischemic type stroke where there is a blood clot or a lo loss of blood flow to a part of the brain, but luckily it's transient, it's short-lived, the blood vessel opens up again, and when that blood flow restores back to the brain, then the symptoms will go away, and there's no damage then that occurs from it. So that, that being said, it's still a pretty significant event that needs medical attention right sure. away. Sure. So uh, what are the main causes of a stroke? Uh, there's a lot of different what we call risk factors or reasons why strokes can occur. Mm -hmm. uh, probably one of the most common reasons uh, are related to blood vessels and blockages. For example, a blockage of the carotid artery mm -hmm. that can uh, limit the blood flow and also where clots can form and then go off and cause a stroke to occur. Uh, the other common, for the ischemic type of stroke, the other common places from the heart, from a rhythm problem called atrial fibrillation, mm -hmm. uh, where the heart goes into a certain rhythm that increases the risk of having a stroke, uh, a blood clot form and a stroke occurring for that reason. Uh, on the hemorrhagic side, uh, there's different causes there. The more, more common reasons we see there is related to high blood pressure. Um, it's probably the most common reason. Of course, we really, other significant types are where they have brain aneurysms or mm -hmm. other malformations of blood vessels. All right. So um, there's also, I read about a silent stroke. Mm -hmm. um, so what is a silent stroke and does it cause the same damage to the brain as other types of strokes? Mm -hmm. the silent strokes are, are, are so-called silent strokes. We, t we talk about those when we see on pictures that there's evidence of damage to the brain from mm -hmm. a prior stroke, but the person doesn't recall any specific symptoms related to that. Mm. Um, and and uh, because they haven't caused any symptoms, oftentimes the person wouldn't obviously go and seek medical attention because they haven't felt anything. Although if you really delve into the history, sometimes you can get clues about something that happened if the person felt a little bit off. Oftentimes the symptoms will be a little bit more vague, that they felt just suddenly very, very tired or that their thinking wasn't as clear. Um, but, you know, we do worry about silent strokes because if they do end up accumulating to too much, then that can also cause significant impact to a person's life, in particularly causing things with memory or uh, thinking problems. I see. Now, if, if there's somebody that feels like they just went through a stroke or may have went through some kind of stroke, silent or mini stroke, um, when they go to the doctor, is there a blood test that could be done or what do you do to, f to figure out if they did have a stroke? Yeah, unfortunately, there's no specific blood test that we have to, mm -hmm. to diagnose a stroke, but but uh, certainly bringing up their symptoms with their physician is really, really important. And then as healthcare professionals, we, we really need to be attuned to these type of symptoms and not just uh, and make sure that we're properly evaluating them and getting the person to medical attention. So sure. getting proper pictures of the brain with either an MRI or CT scan. And then it certainly if a stroke is found or the symptoms sound very worrisome for a mini stroke or a TIA, uh, then making sure we're getting full evaluations of the blood vessels and of the heart to make sure we reduce the risk as much as possible. Okay, and TIA, is that the same thing as a mini-stroke? Mm -hmm, yeah, transient ischemic attack or TIA is the okay. other abbreviation. So TIA or mini-stroke is uh, what c people commonly call them. Okay, great. Now let's talk about some of the common uh, warning signs mm -hmm. of a stroke. Um, and what to do as soon as you see someone or you f if you're, you know, feel that you're going through that as well. Right, absolutely. Yeah, the, the we like to teach our patients an acronym called BFAST. Mm -hmm. So the B stands for balance, if there's any sudden change in your balance. Uh, e for eyes, if there's any changes in your vision, particularly loss of vision, uh, either in one eye or the other or part of the visual field. Mm -hmm. uh, then we get to the FAST portion, F standing for face, if there's droopiness in the face on one side or the other. Um, a standing for arm, so weakness of the arm, which can also apply to the leg as well, mm -hmm. if there's any weakness or paralysis of the arm or leg. 
And then S standing for speech, uh, any kind of difficulty speaking, difficulty getting your words out or understanding what's being said. Uh, and then the T then reminds us all about the time element that really, again, stroke is a very, very time sensitive condition. And so the T stands for time and time to call 911. Mm -hmm. uh, it's estimated that we lose somewhere in the order of about 2 million brain cells a minute in the situation of acute wow. stroke. So it really is a situation where every second counts. And the faster you can get to medical attention, then the more options there are in terms of treatments that can be given to limit the, the problems from a stroke. So these are common symptoms of a stroke, are there any early warning signs that you can detect before these, these kind of symptoms start showing? Yeah, unfortunately, the way that strokes work, it is really a very, very sudden event, usually without any warning. Uh, okay. The word stroke actually comes from Latin words to strike, so it really mm. strikes a person down uh, out of nowhere. Um, that being said, you know, sometimes you will hear people have, have described that they've had some kind of more minor event that they just tend to ignore. For example, they may have felt a little bit of problems picking up objects with their hand, mm. which lasted maybe just a couple of minutes and then went away and they say, well, nothing to worry about. I'm just going to keep watching it. Wh whereas really when you have any of those symptoms that, especially anything on that list of be fast, right. uh, really important to just get, seek medical attention right away. So if I witness somebody having a stroke with these symptoms that you just mentioned, um, I call 911. Is there anything else I should do physically for the patient to keep them safe? Yeah, in general, the m most important thing is, as you said, call 911, mm -hmm. get the you know, ambulance on the way because the paramedics are trained in how to deal with this type of emergency and they'll know which center to take the person to. Uh, in the meantime, usually we'll, we'll have a person lie down okay. uh, and really no other medications that they should be taking. Um, in terms of information, though, that'll be important for the uh, paramedics or, and once they get to the hospital, uh, the team that's treating the patient, the physicians and nurses and everybody else taking care of them, uh, they'll want to know uh, particularly something called the last known well time and so we really like to know when was that person last that 100% normal self mm -hmm. uh, and that's the reason for that is that a lot of the treatments we use are, are time limited and we have to take the time last seen 100% well as the time as when the stroke started for safety reasons. So. I see. And if you're not sure of the time and or if there's nobody there, do you have to stop giving some certain medications that could be harmful after a certain time? Yeah, unfortunately, the, the different medicines that we can use, we can use a clot buster medication called TPA, mm -hmm. uh, tissue plasminogen activator. It's a clot buster you can give through the intravenous, and we can use that up to four and a half hours. And then we do have other techniques where we can go with catheters to remove clots out of the blood vessels, where we can have up to 24 hours to use those. Um, but in particular, the clot buster medication, that four and a half hours, it's, it's, it can be dangerous to give it past that time window. Uh, so sometimes we do have situations, a lot of times we have people that are with somebody and they, we know exactly when that stroke started. But right. uh, unfortunately, there are other situations where they're not with somebody. Or, for example, if someone's gone to bed and is okay and then wakes up in the morning and already has their symptoms, See. for safety reasons, we have to take that last known well time as the time when it started. So sure. Now, that being said, it doesn't mean that we don't have other options because we do have ways now with you know, pictures like MRI scans or CT scans to pick out the people that may still benefit from different treatments. Sure, sure. So if you previously had a stroke, are there things that you can do to prevent from having another one? Mm -hmm, absolutely. Uh, th that's a really important message is that uh, stroke is a very much a preventable disease. Mm -hmm. um, and so what we do when we evaluate people who've had a stroke before, we really try to get to the bottom of exactly why the stroke has occurred. For example, again, blockages of an artery, is there some kind of heart problem or some other issue that drove why the stroke happened? And, and otherwise, we also focus then in on risk factors. Uh, yeah. So making sure the person is on the proper blood thinners, making sure the blood pressure is controlled, that their cholesterol is okay, that you know, if they have diabetes, 
activities that that's well controlled. Mm -hmm. If they're smokers, they should stop smoking. Mm -hmm. and, and then lifestyle measures like diet and exercise are really, really important to making sure you stay as healthy as possible. Okay, great. And then what tips do you have for us to manage those risks of having another stroke? And I know you mentioned smoking is probably one of the big ones, but is there anything to do like lifestyle uh, management that you can do differently to prevent a stroke from happening yeah, again? Yeah, absolutely. There's lots of, lots of great uh, th you know, ways to take care of yourself. Um, the number one preventable risk factor for, for stroke is high blood pressure. So okay. if we controlled everybody's blood pressure in the United States, we'd eliminate half the strokes that wow. are happening. So uh, really important, again, that you work closely with your physician, keep track of your blood pressure. Uh, there's many different ways now. There's different, you know, uh, machines you can even buy to, you know, at home be able to take your blood pressure and monitor them. Mm. Uh, so really important to, you know, know what your blood pressure is. And if it is high, then work with your physician. Sometimes that'll be a matter of certain medications you can take. Uh, but otherwise, you know, eating a good, healthy diet, particularly watching salt. Uh, in general, in the United States in particular, we eat too much salt in our diets. Mm -hmm. Uh, American Heart Association recommends that we have eat less than 1,500 uh, milligrams of salt, and most of us are above 3,000. So, wow. so it's really something where we need to all all of us really should be sure. trying to reduce the amount of salts, particularly when you're eating a lot of processed foods or mm -hmm. you eat out a lot. Uh, you have to really be careful about the, that salt intake. Um, besides high blood pressure, though, uh, you know, uh, eating a good, healthy diet. Otherwise, to watch the amount of saturated fats and trans fats, uh, which also are, you know, uh, yeah. they're eliminating them from a lot of processed foods, right. but they can Most still be them. there. You got to yeah. be careful. Um, and uh, if you are diabetic, of course, you know, the carbohydrates, eating a lot of starchy foods, you just got to be very, very mindful of that. And then exercise-wise, uh, really, it's between 60 to 90 minutes now a day that everybody should be having some good physical activity. Okay. Um, and something that will get your heart rate moving. And, 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 you know, sometimes people are a little bit limited, for example, if they have, you know, problems with their legs. And it doesn't mean that you can't still do some kind of exercise. We tell people to use their arms. You know, when you're sitting watching TV, maybe yes. use a weight and just kind of, you know, uh, just get your body moving. So. Sure, sure. Excellent. Well, some studies I've read um, say that consuming more than two alcoholic drinks per day may increase your stroke risk by 50%. Is that true? And can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah, so we, uh, alcohol is a, an interesting subject. Uh, we, we certainly know that above a certain amount, there is an increased risk of both heart attack and stroke. So it's usually about one to two drinks uh, wine. And they, uh, the drink that they measure things by is wine, a glass of wine a day. Um, so above that, that can, that can start to increase your risk. Uh, so certainly if you're drinking more than a glass of wine a day, that's something you want to reconsider and, and probably, especially if you have a history in your family or personal risk factors for uh, stroke or heart attack, that's something you really want to consider cutting back on. Lower amounts of alcohol, there's a bit of controversy. There's been conflicting studies, yeah. uh, some that have shown benefit, others that have shown harm. Right. Uh, so again, it's something to maybe talk over with your physicians about, you know, in your, in your particular situation, whether that's something to be cautious or not. Sure. So. And I know they also talk about alcohol affects women and men uh, differently. So does your stroke risk, is it specific also to gender? Uh, it, it, stroke risk in terms of alcohol? or um, Just in general. We could talk about general. alcohol as well. Yeah, but in general, uh, it's an interesting nuance that uh, men are generally thought to be higher risk than women. But if you yeah. look at the numbers, actually more women have strokes every year than men do. Okay. Uh, that's mainly related to the fact that women live longer and their number one risk for stroke, unfortunately, is age, which none of us have a cure for yet. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully yeah. one day. So <laughs> <laughs> want to live forever. Right. So are there unique risks that women have that men don't? 
Yeah, so uh, in general, the, the, the common risk factors men, women also need to watch out for. But in otherwise, especially when you're talking about young, young women having strokes, uh, we, we worry about, uh, you know, if they are on any kind of uh, either hormone replacement mm -hmm. or birth control, mm -hmm. uh, because the, particularly the estrogen component of those does increase, uh, somewhat increase stroke risk. Uh, and that especially is exaggerated if someone's a smoker and is on those kind of replacement, mm -hmm. uh, hormone replacement or birth control. So... Coming back to the same point you made earlier, that really if you're smoking, there's no good reason to do it. You should just stop smoking. Sure, sure. Um, otherwise, uh, you know, the pregnancy, when women are pregnant, uh, there is a slightly increased risk. I don't want people panicking over that. It's not like there's a very, very high risk, but if you looked at the numbers, there are slightly higher risk there as For well. a pregnant woman? Yeah, mm -hmm. women who's uh, in pregnancy. Uh, but overall, the risk is so low that even if it's a little bit higher, it's not like it's sure. a very high risk. So sure. uh, we don't want people panicking <laughs> right. if they're pregnant, thinking that they might have a stroke. So, right. um, so but in general, and the, you know, the risk factors otherwise, uh, they should be monitoring just, just the same way, blood pressure, cholesterol, you know, not Food smoking. Exercise. Food and exercise. Yep. Sure. Um, okay, so I uh, pulled up some more stroke statistics when mm -hmm. it comes to race and ethnicity. Sure. So stroke is the fifth leading cause of death for Americans, but the risk for having a stroke varies from uh, your race and ethnicity. And the risk of having a stroke is nearly twice as high for African Americans compared to Caucasians. Uh, minorities in general have a higher risk for stroke and at an earlier age. Can you talk about that and why that is? Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. We know that um, many of the minority populations in the United States are at, are, at, are at higher risk. And actually, if you look worldwide, um, you know, it's African Americans, uh, Hispanics, uh, South Asians, mm -hmm. um, and, and, and uh, Asian populations as well. And f for that reason, actually, the stroke in the world is actually the second leading cause of death wow. uh, because it's the number one cause in China with the population mm -hmm. in China being so high, it, right. it, it, it drives it up uh, worldwide. So, again, underappreciated how big and impactful a healthcare problem it really is. So, um, you know, part of that is, is genetics in those populations okay. that they, they genetically are, are predisposed exposed to being more prone to stroke. Mm -hmm. In addition, there's probably other other lifestyle, you know, from a cultural perspective. Uh, for example, in South Asian cultures, there's a lot of, you know, sometimes oily foods or fatty foods, and, mm -hmm. and the diets are not particularly great, plus lack of exercise and things, other factors that can contribute to that. So a combination of both the genetics and the environment. So, so lifestyle modifications can somewhat decrease the risk a little bit like yeah. you mentioned like the food could be high fats mm -hmm, absolutely and it's uh, including in minority populations right. as well even pr maybe even more impact impactful uh to make sure, sure. that you know uh e exercise regular exercise eating a good diet uh, staying away from those potentially harmful foods right. uh and, and also in in general minority populations we really uh try to advocate to really to work closely with your physicians because there is a tendency in those populations maybe not to be as closely connected with their physicians and uh, we I certainly see. want to promote and, and help uh, help uh, help them get to see their seek medical attention appropriately. Sure. So, now stroke is also on the rise among younger adults. Um, there's a 44% increase in the number of young Americans hospitalized due to stroke over the last decade. Do we know the reason behind this? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, you're correct. We're seeing younger and younger patients with um, with stroke. So uh, it's becoming to a point where actually um, younger age ranges between, say, you know, age uh, 40 to 65 mm. are almost equal numbers to e over age 65, which in the past was, was thought to be a, a you know a condition of the elderly, and it's really not now. It can hit you at really at any age. Mm. Uh, part of that has to do again, our general our population isn't healthy. Uh, we we seeing earlier onsets of things like high blood pressure and 
diabetes and lack of activity in the population. So in general, the lifestyle, uh, you know, particularly in the United States, uh, you know, uh, we're not a healthy population in that way. And getting the population as a whole to be addressing risk factors and eating a better diet and, and exercising more would, would certainly help to reverse that trend. Um, in addition, th there are specific things in younger patients that make us a little more concerned or, or different types of strokes that we have to think about. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, you know, uh, dissections or little tears in the blood vessel. Uh, when you have a younger patient, that's something to be uh, mm -hmm. more, more attuned or aware of because that can certainly be a different type of treatment that you might have to give to that type of patient. So. Sure. 44% increase is huge. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so do you, do you think something like the SAD diet, the standard American diet, is a you know, nutrition is probably like a, a really big one. You mentioned fats, you mentioned salts. Um, I mean, lack of exercise. Mm -hmm. I, I can see people exercising or not exercising for the past few years, but with the 44% increase, do you think diet has the biggest impact on this one? Yeah, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the, the risk factors that we're seeing in the population and mm -hmm. that younger and younger people are just, unfortunately, we just, you know, that we see even, you know, as early as 10 years old now, we're starting to see sometimes wow. disease in blood vessels. So, you know, we really, as a, as a whole, we really need to be looking at yeah. this uh, and, and, and just trying to be healthier in general. Uh, the lifestyle here, certainly the diet isn't fantastic. There's a lot of lack of activity, mm -hmm. uh, especially even the way that our cities are built. We end up, you know, driving right. everywhere uh, as opposed to other countries where people walk mm -hmm. around uh, yeah. and things like that. So uh, it, it's going to require a big effort, uh, you know, on multiple levels to do it. But as an individual, I think what you can do is make sure that, y you know, you are being physically active yourself, that your family members are, you know, even instilling in children from an early age that really that, you know, being outside, being active is, is a really important part of of being healthy. Sure, sure. Mm -hmm. And even, I mean, um, I've read somewhere statistics that smoking has mm -hmm. decreased mm -hmm. in the years. But, I mean, uh, you see vape and all of a sudden everybody's mm -hmm. vaping. Yeah. Um, you, you don't have to answer if you don't know the answer to that, but is vaping as bad as smoking when it comes to these risks for these diseases? Yeah, in the stroke literature, at least, we, we haven't necessarily seen any real difference between vaping and, and smoking. Okay, I think, same. Uh, although, you know, the, the, it, it's thought in stroke to be the nicotine component that's really Okay. Uh, what drives a lot of the stroke risk when it comes to smoking. Okay. So, um, although you, you know, with vaping, maybe you're missing out on some of the other, you know, tar chemicals and tars and other yeah. things that might be in there. It's still the nicotine is still a problem. So. Okay. So this is very important information. So just to reiterate, to reiterate, before let, before I let you go, stroke is preventable. Correct. Right. It's yes, preventable. Absolutely. 100%. Um, so an up, to, up to 80% of strokes could be preventable through healthy lifestyle changes and working with your healthcare team to control health conditions that raise your risk for stroke. And these healthy lifestyle changes that you mentioned, we talked about a healthy diet mm -hmm. and exercise, physical activity, quick, quitting smoking, and limiting alcohol intake. Is there anything else you want to end this podcast with? steps or information for your stroke. I know, prevention. as I said, I, th I think it's really important that people understand that, you know, it is, it is a preventable condition, that there are things that all of us can do to decrease our risk of uh, both stroke and actually those things that decrease stroke risk, decrease risk of heart attack, which is also something we want to prevent. Uh, the only thing, again, blood pressure, blood pressure, blood pressure. Blood like pressure. if you, you monitor, know what your blood pressure is, and, and if it is high, get it treated. So. Okay. Thank you so much for your time. It's no been a pleasure. Thank thanks. you. Thanks for having me. And if you'd like to make an appointment with a neurologist, please call 216-636-5860. And for more information on stroke, make sure you visit clevelandclinic.org slash stroke guide. And thanks again for our listeners and viewers for joining us today. And to listen to more of our health essentials podcast from Cleveland Clinic experts, make sure you go to Cleveland Clinic. 
facebook.org slash H-E podcast, or you can subscribe on iTunes. And for more health tips, news, and information, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram at Cleveland Clinic, just one word. Thank you, and we'll see you again next time. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.